Hello, this is Anthony Day, and welcome to another SUSPIS Sustainable Business Strategies podcast. Today I went to the Institute of Directors Breakfast in Manchester, and I spoke to David Boomer, the representative of the IOD on environmental issues. Shortly after we started talking, they started clearing up the room, moving the furniture and rattling the crockery. So apologies, please, for the background noise, but I think you'll be able to hear everything that he said. Right, today I'm with uh, David Boomer, who is the consultant to the Institute of Directors on Energy and Climate Change. And he's just given us a really interesting presentation here at the Manchester branch of the Institute. The first question, which I think is on everybody's lips, David, is in the current financial situation, does it still make sense to invest in energy efficiency and other sorts of climate change uh, measures? I think the short answer, Anthony, is that uh, yes, it does. Um, But that's a kind of simple view. Um, I mentioned in the talk of uh, one motor retail group uh, who only had started to address energy efficiency when economic pressure was coming on them to, to, to save uh, money within their showrooms uh, in, in energy terms. Now, they should have actually been doing that a long time ago. Um, but it seems that many businesses only address uh, environmental and sustainability and energy issues when there's a there's a crunch, uh, yeah. an economic crunch, which is a kind of about turn because they could come into an economic situation much better placed if they were much more efficient operationally. But it's not too late, and uh, significant savings for very very low investments can still be achieved. Um, it, it's interesting to to, to quote that. To save, for every pound you can save operationally, you need to sell £10 equivalent. So it, it really makes good business sense still to save energy and, and, uh, and have a strategy to be a much more sustainable business. Right. Now, during your presentation, you showed us statements from all the main political leaders about how the carbon, low-carbon future is the future. But you also said that communication with government on a lot of the new measures is very difficult. And I wonder whether perhaps we're hearing politicians say what they think they should say. I'm wondering whether, in fact, there is demotivation within government itself. What's your view on that? I th- think certainly the, the, uh, in the current situation where the uh, energy and climate change was seen as so important a department has has been set up last year I think that says a lot for how the government wants to address those issues there's no doubt that, that in all developed economies the future lies uh, in a low carbon um, with a low carbon emphasis um, huge investments are required within the UK to, to address uh, climate change and energy and um, I think the government understands that it needs to address those issues. The problem government has, I believe, is in getting the, the right balance between putting out regulation uh, and a sort of a fiscal stimulus to really engage business. Um, and I think historically, government has not been a good communicator of its policies. Um, the one 
problem I would, su I would suggest politicians are having is getting a good balanced framework together. Now I would suggest that all those Nick Clegg, uh, David Cameron and Gordon Brown all want to address those issues because they actually believe it is where the future lies and, they, and a good and successful UK economy can uh, or, or even a sort of political organisation can't survive without really addressing those, those issues. Well that's encouraging. Now turning to energy, you told us that the plan is that 36% of energy in the UK should come from renewables by 2020, but you expressed severe doubts over whether that was feasible. And we've seen in recent years that the self, um, energy self-sufficiency, well, we're, we're, long, we're a long way from energy self-sufficiency. In fact, we're going to be almost 80% dependent on foreign energy in a relatively short time. But given that we've got ageing power stations and we are not going to be able to plug that gap with renewables, we've got an energy gap. What are the implications for UK business and what can the average company do about it? You're absolutely right. The, the, there's no doubt that significant long-term uh, and high investment costs, uh, investment needs to be made within the energy supply uh, and supply chain, the infrastructure. Uh, and all that takes time. Uh, it, it takes somewhere between 10 and 12 years to actually get a nuclear power station up and running. Uh, now, there's no planning gone through as yet for even one nuclear power station. The issues over coal, which is an easily available energy supply within the UK, uh, to get uh, a new um, efficient coal burning uh, en uh, electricity generating station it's very difficult to get through the planning uh, in fact there's only one gone through in the last 10 years and I would suggest there's no doubt that within the next 5 years the UK is going to find itself much more in, uh, dependent on imported energy a lot of the energy coming from um, countries that have got less stable both economic and political regimes um, and we just need to look at the, this recent Gazprom uh, in Europe That's issue. the third year running isn't it? Yes and uh, now the UK was in a, fortunately in a position because we, we had a, um, a connection into Norway that we were able to then divert some of that back into Europe but uh, one of the issues the, the UK has to address is things like gas storage. We have 14 days storage. If that gas problem issue had gone on longer, then we would have been una unable to help our European partners and we may have then been struggling to, to actually maintain. Uh, and of course it happens, always happens during winter when gas demand is at its highest and electricity demand is at its highest. So. I think the, the, this issue of energy security has got to really be addressed and you're right, renewables will not resolve it in, in, in the long term. We need a lower carbon uh, electricity generation, nuclear without a doubt, but certainly modern high efficiency coal generation I would suggest is should not be ignored on a basic principle because there's no doubt that, that they can be retrospectively fitted with things like uh, carbon capture and storage. Okay. Well, I'm sure there's a lot that people would like to take you up on. 
there, but if I may, I'll just move on to something which uh, a lot of people are questioning, uh, members of the Cabinet amongst them, and that's Heathrow's third runway. Now, this inevitably is a long-term investment, but the implication of Heathrow's third runway is that there'll be increased air traffic, increased flights, and of course there'll be increased travel to the airport itself in order to make use of it. So we're going to see increased emissions, um, even though they use more efficient aircraft, and we're going and we've got to take into account the fact that there's going to be a, a fuel shortage. Aircraft use aviation spirit, they don't use electricity, oil is running out, even the oil companies say it'll be gone in 40 years. So how can anybody, and dare I say the IOD, how can anybody support the third runway at Heathrow? One of the things that uh, the IOD uh, does is it consults with its members. Uh, and we have a large membership base, uh, over 50,000 uh, company executives, and the, the IOD consults uh, for their views about, uh, say, a third, for example, the Heathrow Third Runway. And there was a clear recognition that there would be business benefits and economic and, and as well as community benefits with, with the Third Runway. Uh, the Heathrow's capacity needs to be increased. Um, both to en enable business to explore overseas markets uh, but also to bring in um, tourists and, uh, and and make, if you like, air travel much more efficient. The, the, the issues about Heathrow and, and some of you know, the, the fifth terminal, uh, Terminal 5, uh, need to be done much much better but the IOD as an organisation really reflects the views of its members and 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 business as a whole that air, tra air travel is essential for uh, the global economy it's you know we don't work at this stage uh, in a uh, if you like a narrow uh, local economy. I mean, most businesses have something within their supply chain that's global, whether it's Chinese manufacture, whether it's European manufacture. In fact, uh, the UK's biggest export um, market is to the EU. Uh, so we need good transport communication uh, to do that. And Heathrow is well placed. Uh, now, there are definitely environmental issues. Um, and the, the aircraft companies, uh, the, the ones who manufacture aircraft, and are looking at much, much more efficient. In fact, they're, they're modelling a hydrogen fuel-supplied plane. It's a, it will be a long way off, but it may not be as long as, as, as we think. Uh, hydrogen, uh, people are talking about a hydrogen economy, not just a low-carbon economy, but a hydrogen, hydrogen economy. Now, whether or not that is a reality remains to be seen but there's no doubt that, that uh, aircraft will become much much more efficient well thank you for that I don't think that debate's over yet so David Boomer from the Institute of Directors thank you David thank, thank you. you very much and thank you for listening until next time <laughs>